All right, the time has reached zero, so we will now begin. Good morning. Buenos dias. Welcome. Bienvenido. That's right. It's great having you here this morning. Uh, this is Life Community Church, all right? Uh, for those of you who walked in who may not know, we actually are on Cemetery Road, but we had a fire about a month ago. And so this church here, RELC, was just so gracious in opening this, this space for us to meet. And they are actually, if you are here and you meant to go to RELC, they're down the hallway at the chapel, okay? So it may be confusing if you came in and said, who are these people? I want you to know how everything fits together today. So uh, it's, it's great to have you here. I want, to, um, I want us to remember why we're here, okay? And for reasons we cannot fully grasp or we will never be able to grasp, God loves us with a love that is so powerful and so amazing. And he demonstrated the love towards us in the ultimate way through his son, Jesus. And we needed Jesus. We needed a savior because of the problem of sin in our life. And so Jesus came. He died on the cross. He rose again. He was a sacrifice. The Bible calls him a sin offering for us. In fact, the Bible says God made him who had no sin Jesus, to be sin for us in order for us to become right with God. So that's part of why we're here this morning. And, and the Bible also tells us for those who receive Jesus, right, we have been given special rights and privileges. And one of those is that we're called a child of God. We're a child of God. And the other thing he, he has done is he has given us his spirit. For, the, for the, his children, he's given us his spirit. So we come together today because God has, has done that for us, and he's also, he's placed us in a family together, right? And this family is different than any family will experience in the world. This family comes together believing and united in the fact of what Jesus Christ did and the hope that we have someday. So it is a, it's a privilege to be a part of, of this family, and we believe here at LCC, we live out that family in a couple different ways. We live it out in, in small groups smaller families that meet throughout the week in homes, like we see in the book of Acts in the Bible. And then we live it out and we come together here on Sunday when we, we grow together, as we hear teaching, as we worship together. So it's a special thing to, to be a part of the family of God. I want to pray over us today and for us to just have an eagerness and an anticipation of what God's going to do today. So let's pray. God, we, we come before you we come knowing all that you've done for us, knowing your great love for us. And we, we see it, God. We don't diminish it. We let it just really hit us um, fully. The, the fact that you loved us so much that you sent your son, that you sacrificed your son. And so we come humbly this morning, and we, we know that you did this for a reason. We know you desire relationship with us, to be right with us. And so today we come and we release, we release shame. We release the other things that are holding us back. And we believe and know that you're going to do your work here today because you love us and because your spirit is at work and active in us. So as we worship together with one voice, God, we pray that you would break down the walls of our heart, and that your spirit would, would speak to us even as we worship about who you want us to be and how you want us to live in you. We're so thankful, so grateful for your love. And everybody said, amen. All right, would you stand? And we're going to worship together with one voice today. Would you pray with me? God, I just want to sit in those words for a few minutes and just... Take in what you have done for us, God. Thank you for coming to redeem us, coming to save us because we so desperately need you. Would you be with us this morning? In your name. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. I'm Lee, the communications director at LCC, and 
If you're newer around here, or even if you've been here for a, a while and want to know what's going on, check out mylcc.info. Especially now as things are changing so quickly and things come up last minute to help out um, various places, we try and keep that updated. And I just had a few announcements before we invite Tom up to share. Number one, it is the first Sunday of the month, which today means no first Sunday lunch. Aww. It caught up with us, and so we're going to try for next month. But if you want to grab someone and go out to lunch, it would be an amazing time to share a meal with someone. Speaking of food, the Hilliard Food Pantry, our friends there, they are at a temporary church close by the location, and they're actually in a room similar to this. And what they have to do every week is they carry in pallets and pallets of food, set up tables to serve Hilliard families, and then they have to move pallets and pallets of food out of the room for Sunday service to happen. So needless to say, they're a little tired. So every Friday during the day is when they set up tear down, one of those two. But they can use help. If you want to just show up at Guide Church, and I'll try and put information on mylcc.info, they could use some extra hands just breathing life back into what they do day in and day out. And then finally, it's backpack season for our kids in Honduras. Um, if you sponsor a child as part of our partnership with the church in Honduras, we'll be collecting backpacks every Sunday out at the table um, until the last Sunday of the month. And if you don't currently sponsor a child, this is a great opportunity to help kids set them up to succeed at school and just provide some basic care for them. And the cool thing is we get to go and visit these kids and these families and love on them and see them. That's also on mylcc.info. And that's all I have for today. Um, if I forgot anything, again, I'll put it on the website. But Tom, why don't you come on up? Good morning. Oh, good morning. Hey, I'm going to pray before we open the word. We're going to be in Daniel in just a minute, but let's pray together. God, thanks for a chance to, uh, to be together, to open your word. Um, Spirit, we thank you for the work of, of shining light on the truth that you do through this. And so we just ask um, today that you would, you would reveal um, who, who God is to us uh, and, and, and through some, some difficult waters. So we just, um, we pray all this in Christ's name, amen. Um, if you have a Bible and you want to go to the book of Daniel, it's Old Testament, kind of just to the right of the center of your Bible um, if you open up in the middle, um, we're going to be in, in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, we've been going through the book of Daniel all summer. We're getting near the end, um, but, um, but I'm going to throw you a little bit of curveball and, and start with a different thought, um, because I, I uh, you know, there's an awful lot of like Christian merch out there, you know, shirts and hats and all the different things, and there's no problem with that or whatever, but, but um, a lot of that stuff has different verses from the Bible on it or, you know, phrases and slogans. And, you know, there, there's, some, there's some famous ones out there. There's obviously John 3.16 is a big one that if you've been around the church, it, you probably memorize as a wee little one. Philippians 4.13, that's the I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, that's a big one. But I think the one right now that, that is like the leader, like if, you, if you're looking for like something to, to hang on the wall with a Christian message, it, you probably are going to come across Jeremiah 29.11. Okay? Jeremiah 29, 11, which, which reads, oh, from back there, I, I, I know this, I know this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, okay? Plans, uh, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and faith. It's a great verse. I mean, it's awesome, right? Like, there's a reason that's, you can buy that right now. Uh, just Google it, and you could buy that. It's one of the first things that comes up on your Google shopping. Um, it's a really nice emphasis on hope and a future, but it doesn't stop with just things to hang on your wall. You can get, a, you can get pens, that have, like, like uh, for I know the plans right on that pen. You can, you can get that. You can get a decal for your car, 2911 decal, and join the 2911 crew. You can get a pop socket that has the words of January 20, or Jeremiah 2911 on it, on it. Like, I, you know, I don't know if, like, what that 
well, I, you know, you're not reading it, but everyone else you're holding your phone up to, like, that's, and it doesn't matter. Okay, you can get a mug, like a tumbler mug. These, um, this is like, right, dog tags, if that's your thing, dog tags. But this one was my favorite, right? The onesie, I know, right? <laughs> Except how big a surprise does that pregnancy have to be for you to need the Lord's reassurance that he has a plan in your life, <laughs> right? Like, but, but you can get that. You can get that. Or if you are the sort that's really into the temporary measures, it's a really popular tattoo right now, too. Yeah, I'm really popular tattoo. Um, but I, I'm just not ready to commit. So, so I'm, I'm ink free. But, but many of you aren't, and that's great. That's, that's lovely. Okay. Um, so here we are in the book of Daniel. Okay, in the book of Daniel. Why am I talking about Jeremiah? You'll see in just a minute. But we're in Daniel chapter 9. Okay? Daniel chapter 9. And, um, and, and we've, we're going to start, start right there at verse 1 and take a look at this passage and see, some, I think, some really interesting stuff. And it won't take us long. It won't take you long to understand why I started in Jeremiah. Daniel chapter 9 begins with this. It says, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descendant, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, dash, dash, okay? A lot of historical context. This person Darius is a little mysterious, um, that there was, you know, Cyrus was the Persian king. Maybe this is a pseudonym for him. Maybe it's a general, but whatever, okay? Like, this person's in charge of where Daniel is residing. He's in charge of Babylon. He's part of the Medo-Persian Empire. And the time frame of this is interesting, too. It tells us in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, in this period of time, this is actually kind of like a rewind of the tape. We've seen a few things in the book of Daniel that occurred after this. So the book of Daniel is not handed down to us like through the Lord, it's not handed down to us necessarily chronologically in the chapters. Like this is actually, this is probably given, this, what we're going to read today was given to Daniel before like the lion's den story. Okay? So just kind of keep that in mind as we go through this. Um, so there's just some historical context to it. So then it's, 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 um, it sets it up again. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, so Daniel, first person saying this, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet. Okay? that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years, okay? So we, we start in Jeremiah for this reason. And what Daniel's about to tell us, what he's, what he's about to encounter, that w- was initiated or instigated because Daniel was studying the scriptures, and, he, and specifically the, the scriptures that he was looking at were, were the, was the word of Jeremiah, okay? Now, this is cool for so many reasons, but it's, it's really cool because Jeremiah and Daniel, like, their lifespans overlapped, Okay? So Daniel, in Daniel's lifetime, he recognized the revelation that God had given to another, per, another man, Jeremiah. He recognized that as, as the Holy Scriptures, the, the inspired Word of God. And he was reading it and studying it. Okay? He was reading it and studying it. And, and here's the deal. Daniel is someone who, who heard from God because he started his life in, in the Scriptures. And in prayer, okay? He heard from God because he started his life in the scriptures in prayer. So what is it that he was reading? Well, I, it's probably Jeremiah 20, what we call Jeremiah 29. Look at what it says there. This is the verse right before 29.11 that people get tattooed. And it says, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place. So he says, after 70 years... You're going to be, essentially, you're going to be in exile. You're going to be prisoners in a foreign land for 70 years. And after that, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you. So 70 years. But I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and future. He says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Okay? So these plans that God has are not short-term plans. They're 70-year-long plans. Jeremiah the prophet that was given this message didn't live long enough to see this fulfilled. Okay? Daniel's reading this passage in exile himself. He's in Babylon. He's in this place where God's promising, I'm going to bring you back from. But that's where he is. But there's a promise that's coming. But, but notice in verse 12 there at the bottom, it's a little bit conditional, right? You will call on me and come to pray for me, and I'll listen to you. There's action on the part of the exile. And it it goes on to say, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to captivity. There's 
There's the language of promise, but there's also the language of condition, right? I will bring you back. I will bring you back. But you're, you, in order for that to happen, you're going to have to call on me. And with all of your heart, you're going to have to seek me. I'm going to have to be the most important thing to you for this to happen. That's the word of the Lord to Jeremiah that Daniel is reading when we encounter Daniel chapter 9. Okay? So that's the backdrop of what we're about to read in the book of Daniel. So let's jump back into Daniel 9 and see what this prompted Daniel to do. Verse 3 says this, so I, right? So I, he knows, so, so Daniel has been in exile close to 70 years. It's probably, he's probably about 80 years old. He was probably taken into exile in his mid-teens. He, that's, I think, check my math, is about 65 years. He knows this time of 70 years is coming to an end. So he rallied the troops, right? He got the whole gang together and they put together a plan. Look at what Daniel does. I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. He didn't put together a plan to return to the land. He didn't get out ahead of that. Here's what he did. He got on his knees and he prayed. And when it was mealtime, instead of eating, he prayed. He fasted. He didn't, he didn't even bother to put on his, his nice clothes. He's a high government official. Okay, he's working in like the, the cabinet office, you know, at, at, at the White House. He's important. But he puts on the worst clothing he can find that would barely cover him. Sackcloth and it's, it's coarse. It's not comfortable. And all of those all those things in his life that he's setting aside are for the purpose of reminding him to the, of, of what God had said to Jeremiah, when, when you plead for me, when you come calling on me, that's when you're restored. That's where, what Daniel did. He's almost grieving of things for, 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 the, for the state of things. So, what, so that's the first thing he does. And he says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Look at where he begins. Lord, The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant or his promise of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He says, God keeps his promises for those that love him and obey him, keep his commands. He starts there. He says, he says, don't forget who, like we, for us, don't forget who you're talking to. When we pray, don't forget who we're talking to. Jesus, Jesus is our, is a friend of mine, okay? But he's not to be taken lightly. He is great. He is awesome. God is a promise keeper. He's made made covenant promise with us as his followers, his people. But the promise, note note what, what Daniel says here. He does not say you've made your promise to Israel. He doesn't say you've made your promise to your chosen people. He says those who love you. And keep your commands. This promise is for you. That's what Daniel is praying here. So he starts there. He starts there. And he goes on. Verse 5. He says, we have sinned. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. I want to read through this prayer. I want you to pay attention to his pronouns. We have sinned we have, and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord. Because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, 
Nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster will come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Yet we have not obeyed him. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? The pronouns that Daniel uses. Now remember the scenario when you hear this. The pronouns that Daniel uses are all personal, but plural, right? Personal, but plural. Thirteen times in those verses, he says we. Nine times, he says our. Four times, he says us. Twenty-six personal Plural pronouns he uses there. Now, I'm, I'm wrecked by that. Because Daniel was taken out of his home as a teenage boy to a foreign land to serve, not of his own choice, against his will. He was, we would say, he was an innocent young man. He hadn't done anything to deserve this personally. It was people who came before him and and those others around him. But he had had to bear the weight of it. And yet he lived faithfully. We've read throughout the book of Daniel the number of times that he was found still observing the times of, of prayer and sacrifice. That he said no to the easy path And yes to the way of God. And yet when he comes to the the, the scriptures given to Jeremiah. And he sees the promise of God. That God's going to hear you when you call out for him with all of your heart. When you seek him. He takes all of that sin that had come before him. Done, committed by others in their choice, not his. And he makes it his own. He makes it his own. And he says, we've done this. This is our sin. He had every right. Every right to say, you know what? This is garbage. I didn't didn't create this mess. I shouldn't have to be the one paying for it. And he paid for it for decades. He had every right to blame those who came before him for all of his problems. He would have been justified as far as I can tell. But that's not the posture that he took. Daniel took ownership of sin that came before he was born and that he had not personally committed. How un-American of him. (laughs) Right? He took responsibility for the corporate sin of the people. He's, he's, he's He's the leader who can't get the people to follow behind him who still says, I'm the it's me. I'm the one to blame. I've done he'd done everything he could, and yet. They wouldn't follow. And he says, no, it's, it's me. I'm taking it. Doesn't he know better than that? Doesn't he know you're not supposed to do that? That's not good for your mental health. Right? You're not supposed to do that. We know better. Except for one thing, I think that we, of all people, ought to know as well as this that this is exactly what Christ has done for us as well, right? Daniel's a prototype for Jesus himself because Daniel did what would happen when Jesus took our sin on the cross. What we see in Daniel's prayer is a model for the redemptive path that God was making, he was putting before us. He He was making a way for us to return to our God in the same way that Daniel's seeking a return to Jerusalem, the people's return to the temple, 
But just as Jesus isn't, he is our Savior, but he's not just our Savior. He's, he's our example. We, we, have to, we, have to, I, we have to repent of this notion that I, I don't share in any sort of corporate identity. That I'm innocent. And we need to, we need to take on the way of Jesus, exemplified by Daniel, that we're in this together. It's us. And we. And our. When it comes to the people of God. When I was, uh, when I was a young man, I saw this lived out. When I was a young man, um, I grew up in a house... I grew up in a house where um, there was one member of the household who was pretty good with details, and it was my dad. And the rest of us, whatever, okay? We did, we did, I can't say we did our best. Sometimes we tried. And I went to a school, like probably many of you did back in, you know, ancient times, um, where they gave us a paper report card. And those paper report cards had to be signed by parents and then returned to school. Did anybody else live like that, right? Like, you know... So any attempt that we made to forge grades, we made to forge grades, like, would get caught. And so um, at one point in time, uh, this is, like I said, middle schoolish age, I had, um, I, 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 like, I had my report card to bring back, and it sat on the kitchen table. And, you know, mom and dad had seen it, and they'd signed it, and, you know, C's get degrees even in middle school. So, so like, I, got, I was getting by, doing fine. They'd sign it, but it sat on the table, it sat on the table, it sat on the table, and I got, like, the final warning from school. Like, Tommy Burns, you got to get your report card back to us or you're going to have detention. And I didn't want detention, so, like, all right. So my mom drove the carpool sometimes, so we get in the car, we have the report card with us, but uh, as well as, like, not keeping track of details, like, arrival times for school were often sometimes, like, suggestions more than, you know, hard and fast rules. And so we, we pull into the school parking lot, and there's three or four of us piling out of the minivan uh, in the carpool. And I'm like, oh, my report card. And my mom says, no, go to class. I'll get your report card to the office. No worries. Great. Off I go. Okay? Love my mom. Mom will probably watch this. I love you, mom. Um, but but my, that day... Mom, just like she said, I'll take care of it, and she put the fan in drive, and she left the school. So sometime during the day, Tommy Burns, you know, Tommy Burns, um, please report to the office. So I show up at the office, and I get a detention slip for not having my report card turned in, okay? And I plead my case. Doggone it. This is not me, my mom. Principal Greener was having none of it, okay? So I go home with my detention, I usually didn't tell mom and dad about the detentions, okay? Um, I got through a few of them without them finding out, but this one, doggone it, they were going to know about. So I get home, and I give them the detention, and, and they were sort of like appropriately, you know, like my mom felt guilty. My dad was a little fired up. So my dad calls the school. Hey, this wasn't my son's fault. He shouldn't need to do this detention. Principal Greener said, uh, yeah, it's the rules are rules, okay? Rules are rules. So my dad um, didn't like that answer enough that the next day my dad drove me to school. <laughs> and he stepped out of the car and he went in the office and they had, a, they, had a, they had a conversation with Principal Greener. And Principal Greener agreed with my dad, this is not fair for your son to have a detention, but someone's got to do that detention. <laughs> you see where this is headed, right? So the next Saturday, my dad didn't just put in one hour of detention. He showed up at the school, and he, like, they needed, they had extra jobs that needed done, just, you know, went to a smaller Christian school. There were plenty of volunteer opportunities. So my dad served at detention for an hour and volunteered for a few beyond that to clean some, buff some floors or something, right? My dad wasn't guilty of it. He didn't have to do it, but he took it on himself, okay? It's the same pattern here, right? We take on for others. We're in this together. The family of God is more than just biology. We carry these things for one another. Daniel prayed it. Daniel prayed it. Christ did it on the cross. We got to keep rolling. All right, verse 15. Because there's more to this. 
You won't even believe how much more there is. All right. <laughs> you will in an hour. All right. Now, <laughs> Lord our God. Sorry. Still the prayer. Still the prayer. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Daniel says, you've done this before, right? We were once out of the land. You've done this before. Brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned. We have done wrong. He's still in the, doing the plural thing. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. This is fascinating language. You could dive into this for a long time, but this idea of like the people of God are, are, are being scorned by this. Many of the wars they fought at that point in time were like proxy wars between their gods. And, and we even see this in the Old Testament when they carry the Ark of, Ark of the Covenant out to the battlefield and they win battles. It's seen as your God gave you victory. Well, in this case, he hadn't given them victory. They'd have exile. So in the eyes of the world, God's glory was muted by this. And Daniel is saying that in his prayer. He's saying, like, for your sake, for your sake, God, do this thing. Verse 17, now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, there's that phrase again, for your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Look, look at where we are. Give, give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. Now catch this. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Daniel says, Daniel says to, to God, God, it's, do this thing because in so doing, the world is going to know that you are the one true God. Do it for that reason. There could be any number of reasons we ask God for certain things. But Daniel's prayer says, do this so that the world will know that you're the one. And we, we ask we make this request of you, not because we've earned it, but because of your mercy. In verse 19, he says, Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. You hear those, the pleading in his voice? Do you remember Jeremiah 29? Those who seek me with all of their heart, you can hear the pleading. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake. It's the third time he said it. For your sake, my God, do not delay. Because your city and your people bear your name. Notice this in Daniel's prayer. He only asked God to do what is in God's character and what God had already promised to do. You catch this? He only asked God to do what is in God's own character and what God had already promised to do. Most of my prayers are about something different. How often are we asking God to do something we want but not something he's promised? It's not to say, I want to be real careful. It's not to say that we don't make our requests made known to God. The Bible tells us to do that. That is cause for prayer. God, I... I, I, I need your intervention in this situation. There's, there is sickness, God. I, we need healing. God, we, we need your help. Our family is, is desperate for reconciliation. I'm not saying we never ask God for what we want. But what we see in Daniel is what it means to pray in God's will. Right? God... This is, Daniel's request was consistent with God's character and with what God had promised. So he could be confident in the ask. So when, when we seek God, when we, when we reach out to him in prayer, ask, our, ask is what I'm asking aligned with his character? Or am, am I essentially asking him to help me win the lottery? Is this aligned with his character or is it something more for me? Is this, is this aligned with his promises? Has God told me that I have every reasonable expectation that he's going to give me the thing that I'm asking him for or us the thing that we're asking him for? And is it aligned with his glory? 
I think this is the one that trips us up the most, right? What Daniel was asking was this. God, do this thing. Because in so doing, the people of the world are going to see who you are. And praise you. And recognize your power and your position. This will amplify your glory. And you know what? I think Daniel believed that. He wasn't playing a word trick with God to try and get God to believe something so that God would give him what he wanted. He, what he wanted, was God to be seen clearly in all the nations and all the people of the world. He was seeking him earnestly with all of his heart as he had read in Jeremiah. That's what I want. That's where my prayer lines up with God's will. His character, his promises, and his glory. Amen? Can we? All right. But wait, there's more. Okay. Check this out. I'm not going to lie to you. It's where it gets a little weird. All right. Verse 20. Daniel says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord, my God, for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, he's shown up before in Daniel, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. I haven't had this one take place in a prayer yet. Okay? Gabriel shows up. Now, don't get hung up on the man there. It's actually just sort of like he. It's almost like a pronoun in the, the original language. But so Gabriel, angel, sure. Okay, it's like in the form of a man. Okay, looked like a, looked like a guy. Yeah, it, he was announcing Gabriel's pronouns. Okay, it was, he, hi, I'm Gabriel. I'm a he him. Um, uh, while, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. I've come so you can see what God is doing. As soon as you begin, began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for which you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So, so Daniel, Daniel prays and his prayer triggers a response. Like, the, it happens. Do you ever get caught in that loop of like, man, my prayer doesn't mean much. Okay? And don't think about that word esteemed there. Esteemed isn't like, well, you're really important, Daniel. It actually just means like, it's kind of like one who is embraced in like a loving relationship. Okay? So, so, like, I've come to tell you the answer to the prayer. Prayer is not ineffective. It matters and it moves. And in the next couple minutes, we're going to get into the really weird stuff. If you've been around the scriptures for a while, and if you've come from a background like mine, you might start to twitch when you see these verses, but it's okay. We're going to get through this together. And... Yeah, people have argued about it for hundreds of years, and we're going to talk about it in like seven minutes, okay? So, so but buckle in, okay? We're almost home. We're almost done with the passage. But, but Gabriel shows up, and Gabriel says, I'm going, to, I'm going to help you understand something, and I'm just going to raise my hand up here and say, the, thing that, the way that Gabriel tries to help Daniel understand it confuses me, okay? It confuses me. But let's look at it. Let's look at it. Verse 24. This is what Gabriel says. He says, 77s, and we have to stop right there, because that word sevens, you know, is in the little quotes. It actually gets translated a lot of different ways. The, the numbers of this in the language are actually really difficult. Okay? Is it 77s? Is it 770s? Like, most translators come to this, and they have some version of 77s. But in some of your Bibles, it might say 70 weeks. Okay, W-E-E-K-S, okay, 70 weeks. That's just been kind of a way that this has been picked up over the years. The word itself is not like weeks, like seven days. It's sevens. It's confusing, okay? It's confusing. But here's what he says. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression. Look, there's going to list off some things. To finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Okay? So Gabriel starts off and he says, 
these, whatever these sevens are, and we'll see a little bit more about this in a minute, but whatever these sevens are, they've been declared that these sevens, whatever they are, are going to accomplish these things. Let's hit them real quick. Finish transgression, put an end to sin, atone for wickedness. Oh, no. Bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy place. That's a lot. Okay? This is a really big thing. Those are, those are high-minded ideas, but essentially, like, get down to the, the, the very end there. Here's what's happening. Gabriel is saying to Daniel, the thing you're praying for and asking about is much bigger than any one little moment that you might think that it is. This is really big. And it encompasses all this work of God. Okay? Daniel, you in exile are reading Jeremiah, and you think, understandably, you think that what you're praying for is for the people to return to Jerusalem and the temple. But get this. What you're actually like praying for is much bigger than just that. That's big. But the whole thing is much bigger. Okay, still with me, maybe? Okay, keep going. Verse 25, he says, no one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild, rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, okay? Um, so, from the time that, you, that, that the, the people of God, the word goes out that you can go back and you can rebuild Jerusalem. It says, until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens, okay? Or seven weeks, or seven periods of seven somethings, okay? Most interpreters do put that at seven, seven periods of seven years, about 49 years, if my math is right, okay? Which is a significant number in, in Judaism, okay? Because they had these periods of jubilee where seven periods of seven, and then, which is 49 years, and then in the 50th year was a year of jubilee where debts were, were paid, like they were just released from their debt. And so Daniel gets this, okay? And the first thing he's told is there's going to be this period of roughly one jubilee cycle where the word is going to go out that you can, you, we're going to restore the temple. We're, you, my people are going to come back to Jerusalem, okay? And that's going to take a period of about 50 years. And then, and then it's, it's actually going to happen, like there's 50 years of planning and moving, okay? But then he just goes right on and says, and 62 sevens. That's a lot more years. My math is not that good. But add the seven and the 62, and you've got 69 sevens. So 69 periods of seven. I can do that. 483? Somebody check me. Okay. Um, I think. So there's going to be this, then there's going to be this long period of time, okay? Now, I do have to back up, man. Yeah. Okay, I do have to back up because it, there's that phrase, the anointed one there, and, and this is from the, the New International Version. It's, it's capitalized A and O, and I think that's probably because they weren't exactly sure what to do with it because anointed one is a loaded language as well. Just like 49 years is loaded period of time, anointed one is really loaded. Um, the anointed one is... in. It, in Greek, it's Christos. You've pro that probably sounds like something we're familiar with. In Christ, it's the way of saying like a Messiah or the Messiah. Okay? So initially looking at this, it sort of says like, hey, in the next 50 years, there's going to be a Messiah. Okay, that's like question 37 that I have. I'm like, I don't think it's, it's not Jesus. The, the timing doesn't work. Okay? Is, is, is Daniel in the language there, is, is Gabriel's, vision that he's, or, or, or prophecy that he's giving Daniel, is it, is, does that anointed one mean like, like the king who allows them to go back to, to the land? Maybe. Okay, is, is a, an anointed one and maybe it shouldn't be capitalized? Hey, sure. Okay, but he says this anointed one, this ruler is going to come, there's going to be these seven sevens and then there's 62 sevens. He says, and it, it being the holy city, we just have to keep moving. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. He says, so, so what you're asking for, Daniel, is going to happen. It's going to happen. The people are going to get to go back into Jerusalem, and it's going to be rebuilt. And look, it's going to have a trench. That sounds good, doesn't it? Maybe. I don't know. But, but he says, but it's going to be in times of trouble. Like, don't get, don't get utopian visions just yet. Times of trouble. we got to keep rolling. Verse 26. Then he says, 
after the 62 sevens, the anointed one, if that's the same anointed one, they're really old. Okay? So we're probably talking about a second anointed one. And this one, I like it being capitalized. Okay? After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler will come to destroy the city, and the sanctuary of the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. Whew, okay. So at the end of this, ready? Um, there's, there's this period of, I, I, it's the best I, I can offer you, okay? Please read it, study it, see what others have written about it, but I promise you, you pick up five different commentaries on this, you're going to see five different perspectives, okay? That's what we did in preparing for this. Uh-oh, my microphone's disappearing. But here's the deal. There's a period of seven years, or a period of seven sevens, 50 years. Then there's a period of 480 something, or not 430 something years. Okay? There's these two distinct periods. And at the end of each of those, God is going to move in a major way as it pertains to the city of Jerusalem and God's work. Is that enough to say? I hope, because that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay, so he's put to death. There's a new ruler on this, and this, this ruler, look, he's going to confirm a covenant. This new ruler, not the anointed one, the ruler who kills the second anointed one, is going to confirm a covenant with many for one seven, one of these seven-year periods. And in the middle of the seven, he's going to put an end to the sacrifice and offering. So this, whoever this is, is going to look really good at the beginning to God's people, and then is going to, this is the last of the seven. This is the 70th seven. It's going to look really good to the people, and then in the middle of that is going to stop being good to the people of God. Simple enough? Okay. So he's going to put an end to the sacrifice and the offering. And, and at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. He's going to desecrate the temple. Okay? Until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. End of Daniel 9. <laughs> okay? Look, I'm sorry. I just, I have so many, I, I'm, I don't want, I don't want this gesture to mean like, hey, I didn't understand it, so I didn't bother. I hope, I hope you don't hear that in me. But what I, what I do hope I can communicate is this. I, I, and a little bit of personal history. I grew up in, a play, in, a, in, a, in an atmosphere that told me very specifically what all that stuff meant. And why this anointed one is that person and that anointed one is that person. And why in 1989, when this thing happens in the fall of the Berlin Wall, we got seven years till Jesus comes back. True story. I was told that. So I thought, hey, oh. I am going to have to do it. <laughs> so I believed pretty strongly that sometime in the mid-1990s, Jesus was coming back, and it was Armageddon. Okay? And here's the deal. Um, if, if you want to hold it with that level of specificity, be blessed. I just can't anymore. I also think that if that level of specificity is required for us to know it, that it would not be as, as confusing to us as it is. Okay? So forgive me if you must, but I have a very open hand with, with my understanding of this and what it means in the course of big picture course of history. And I know that you're getting hungry, so let's wrap it up. Okay? Because here's the point. If... I can't read, I can no longer read that passage with the eyes that say this. The purpose of God giving me that passage is so that I can somehow successfully predict when all of this is going to happen. So I think there's got to be another purpose. And if I think like Daniel, if I put myself in Daniel's space, a man 80 years or older who's lived in exile since he was a teenager and is earnestly praying for, for the return of God's people to, to Jerusalem and the temple, and Gabriel comes along and he says, it's going to happen. It's imminent now. The word's going to go out. It's going to take 50 years or so, and it's going to happen. I think, though, that the big picture is this. Daniel's prayer will be answered. But that's not going to end the struggle. Okay? Daniel's prayer, Gabriel says, your prayer is going to be answered, but that's not going to end the struggle. And, and, and I think that this is even a New Testament idea. Because this 70 and 7 thing comes up again in the teaching of Jesus. You know where, right? It comes up again. And, it, and again, it gets translated different ways because it's difficult. And I'm going to do something I don't know that's ever happened at Life Community Church since the deception. I'm going to actually read this to you from the King James Version. 
It's just as good a translation of this as any because it's, it's, it's not clear. But it says this. It says, then came, this is, this is uh, Jesus with his, his disciples, and it says, then came Peter to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how oft, that's how you can, that's ding, 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 your King James Version buzzer's going off. How oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Seven was a number of completion. If I've done it seven times, it's done. Okay? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Some translate that as 77 times. The language is actually doesn't give us guidance one way or the other. Because the point is, it doesn't matter if it's 77 or 70 times 7. The point of all those 7s together is, 7 looks like it's complete. If you go to 7, you've done enough. But 70 times 7 or 77 times is almost like infinite in their world. It's infinite. So when, when Gabriel comes to Daniel and he says, hey, God's going to do this thing. God's going to do this thing. But when you add it all up, it's going to be 70 times 7 years. He's saying to Daniel, it's a long way off. And if you're still counting, if you're still counting, you're missing the point. God's going to complete his work. Bank on it. It's go- God's work is going to outlive you. It's going to outlive me. He's going to do it. But it's his work in his time. Okay. I really mean it. We're done, okay? But stay with me for like two more minutes on this. I want to wrap up with this. I think what the question that we need to ask ourselves when we look at Daniel 9 is this. What good is a return from exile with a rotten heart? Here's what we mean. What good is it for Daniel to pray, God, please bring us back in the land if they go back in the land and their hearts don't belong to God, right? What good is it? What good is it? God, make me healthy again. If I'm brought back to health and my heart is not God's. God, give me my daily bread. Okay, so my belly is full, but my heart is not God's. The purpose of exile was to recapture the hearts of God's people. Can I say that again? The purpose of exile was to recapture the hearts of God's people. It wasn't punitive. He says it in Leviticus, I will do this so that you will be my people. When he gave what would happen if they turned away from him. It's the same for us. This is all that really matters. So when we pray for God's work to be done, what are we praying for? If we're asking things from God, why are we asking? What are we praying for? To have our life enhanced? Look, I want you to flourish. I'm not out here looking for pain. I want, I want what's best for you. I want the conditions of, of the garden to be Uh, in Genesis to be lived in your life where you have communion with God where your work is blessed I want that for you I want it for me but what difference does it make if my heart doesn't belong to God there's a lot of people who have easier lives than us but what benefit is it if their hearts don't belong to God Not to have our lives enhanced, to see an increase in God's glory. It's to see an increase in God's glory. We ask what we ask from God, just like Daniel. Not so that we can have what we want, but so that God's glory can increase. So people can look and see what an amazing God he is. This is not an outward thing. It's, you, can't, you can't post it on your Instagram or your Facebook. It's, it's the work of God in my heart, making me more and more like Christ, carrying the burdens of those around me. But hear me say this. One faithful and obedient servant of God carries more true and eternal weight for God's glory than all the Christian stuff we can buy and hang on our walls. You hear me? One faithful servant who loves God and is obedient to him means more than all the bumper stickers. 
and the t-shirts and the mugs. Can we get away from that stuff and deal with this stuff? Do we want God the way Daniel wanted God? Or do we want God to just give us an easier life? So let's turn our hearts. Let's turn our hearts towards him. And pray and bring the band back up. God, we're... Um, we are... Um, we are easily distracted. And I confess that. That most of what we want is at best um, just complementary to your work. And so God, we ask, um, we ask now that you would forgive us, that you would, you would reveal the ways that we have, um, we've, we've chosen the, the temple over you. We've, we've chosen the, the place, the easy things, the, 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 the tangible physical stuff over our life with you. Because God, we, we believe that you are great and awesome. We believe that your, your mercy makes us right and not our own action. So we, we give ourselves to you today for that purpose. God, no matter what, no matter how long, no matter how confusing it can be, God, we trust you and we long to be with you. So God, um, we know you're with us and we offer this, this praise to you, but not just that, we offer our lives and ask you to do with them as you will. And we thank you, Jesus, and pray in your name. Amen. Dear God, thank you so much for your love and your care for us. Thank you for reminding once again that you are completely in control. This is your history, it's not us. Lord, remind us every day that it's only in your name that we can find hope, we can find freedom, we can find salvation, and we can find the victory. We love you, we praise you. In your name, pray. Amen. You can actually stay standing. Um, Tom, thanks for sharing the word with us today. Thanks for just bringing truth and humility in the way that you lead us. Uh, thank you, band, today for leading us too and for all the sacrifice you've made to adjust to a different place. So thank you so much for that. Um, before you go, just a quick update. First of all, no need to stack chairs today. I think from now on, for the most part, we're going to leave the chairs here. Um, Work continues at the building. There's some pictures if you want to see of kind of what's going on. Um, the demo work is about done, the beginning first part, and now we're going to look to rebuild. Um, stay tuned to mylcc.info for opportunities to serve. Um, but in all that, regardless of what's going on, the mission remains for us to, to share Christ with our neighbors, with the people in our circles. So I'm just going to pray over you. Before we go, um, for the opportunities that God has, has put before you. So if you would close your eyes real quick, and I want you to think about a person or two in your neighborhood who doesn't know the Lord or at your workplace, and I want to pray over you as you go out this week, as you carry God's Spirit with you, and the most incredible news of what He's done for us. We can't keep it to ourselves, so I want to pray for you as you go out. God... Thank you so much, Father, for what you've done in our lives. We will never be able to comprehend fully the love you have for us. But we believe it, and we know it to be true. And God, I pray you would open our eyes as we leave these doors to 
who we come in contact with in our neighborhood, even today as we're out, outside our house, outside our apartment, wherever it is. And as we go to work, as we go throughout our week, as we rub shoulders with people, God, would you give us your heart and your mind to reach those who don't know you, who don't have the hope that we have in you. We love you, God. Thank you so much for the family we have with each other in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hope you have a great week in groups, and we'll see you again soon. Stay tuned to MyLCC.info for all the information.